0: I'm Amber and I'm Becca from cranberries to cows and everything in between. This is forward farming. Hey guys, welcome back to forward farming. We are just going to give you guys a quick little mini episode for this week. Um, our second one of the week, just because the Wisconsin deer season is starting this weekend on Saturday. So we wanted to hop on here with a DNR warden to kind of give you guys some gun safety reminders for the weekend. And especially if you're taking your kiddos out with you, I know that can be a little bit stressful and exciting for them. So we're just here um, with Steve, he is a DNR. Um, He's with the DNR and he's just gonna kind of walk us through um, just some general gun safety tips for you guys. So thank you Steve for coming on here today with us and and, uh, giving everybody a little refresher.
1: Yeah, you're welcome. So um, like Amber said, my name is Steve Swartz. I am a conservation warden with the DNR. Um, I am stationed in Washington County, which is in the southeast corner of the state. Um, I know Amber, you said you're up in Warren's and Becca, I know you had, or they said you're down in the southwest corner. So we kind of got a good chunk of the state covered here. Uh, This is a, uh, this is a really exciting time of year for a lot of people. Um, This is one weekend where families and friends get together from from all over the state. And frankly, from from all over the country. And they come to partake in this this time-honored tradition that we have, and that's our our traditional nine-day gun deer season. Um, You know, along with that, um, you know, a lot of people in the woods. Um, No other day during the year, no other hunting season that we have attracts as many people as as our gun deer season does. Um, So as wardens and just in general, as an agency with the DNR, we want to encourage people to have fun, um, to really enjoy that time that they have with their family and friends, because this is where a lot of memories are made. I've got a lot of cherished memories growing up from, you know, going hunting with my family, with my dad, my grandparents, things like that. Um, but along with that fun, um, there is some responsibility behind it. I uh, mean, you're handling a firearm, and with that comes some basic rules of firearm safety. So for those that have, Taking Hunter Safety, you probably are well aware of the uh, four letter acronym that gets just ingrained in you throughout that class. And that is tab K, uh, with the T standing for treat every firearm as if it's loaded. Whether you know it's loaded or not, you always treat that firearm as if it was loaded. Uh, Moving on, we have the A, always point that muzzle in a safe direction. Keep it pointed away from from other people, from houses, from cars, things like that. We always say never never point your gun at something that you're not willing to to harvest, not willing to not willing to take. Um, be uh, be aware of your target and what's beyond. Can't stress it enough. You know, there's so much more than just that deer standing in front of you. You've got to be aware of what's behind it, whether it's you know, house, barn, farming equipment, um, another hunter, uh, you know, so be aware of that target and what's beyond. And then the K is keep your finger off the trigger um, until you are absolutely ready to fire. And, you know, following these four simple rules um, can have such a huge impact on being safe and having a, a happy, memorable hunt versus something that is you know, on the other end of the spectrum. So,
0: Yeah. I know deer season for us is a, is a pretty much a holiday. We have the entire week of work off, um, just so we can hunt the entire week, which is really great. And just like you mentioned, a lot of memories are made. And I know when I was growing up, I got involved in the outdoors when I was really young. Um, so maybe for those who have children that are kind of getting interested in hunting, but aren't like, quite ready for hunter safety yet. Maybe what are some tips um, that you can offer parents who are just starting to get their kids involved and maybe you want to sit with them in a blind or, you know, um just kind of sit with them in the woods for the week.
1: Definitely, but the biggest thing I can uh, I can tell you is make it fun and make it enjoyable, um, and, and and listen to your kids. You know, you don't want to lug them lug them out in the woods when it's you know twenty five degrees and make them sit all day in the freezing cold. Um, that's not going to be fun for them. So you've got to make it enjoyable, um, you know tailor your hunts to those children, make sure they're properly dressed. You uh, know, if, if you do hunt from the consumer to a ground blind, maybe bring them some snacks, you know, something to eat, something to drink something to keep them occupied to pass, you know, some of the time that does occur during a deer hunt where you're not seeing animals, but really the biggest thing is make it fun, make it enjoyable, and make it interesting for them. Listen to what they have to say. If they tell you they're cold, they're cold. It's probably time to probably time to pack it in and go get them warm. Uh, You know, the last thing you want is to, uh, tarnish that child's memory of that event by them all they remember is you know shivering in the blind you know not being able to you know not being able to move their hands or whatever it is you know keep them comfortable keep them happy and just really just listen to them um And and I do that with my son, you know, we take, I take him out with me. He sits with me. If he tells me he's cold, Hey, I understand. It's probably time to head in. If he tells me he's hungry. Okay. We've got some snacks, but um, just those, you know, those little things that you do ahead to to get him prepared for it, make all the difference, you know, the day of. So, and, and really just be understanding, you know, that, you know, it is a child. They aren't conditioned to sitting in the cold and sitting out as long as some of us are that have the experience in doing it. Um, Along with the safety aspect, uh, the big thing with our gun deer season, um, be safe, be visible. So wear that high visibility clothing, that hunter orange, that blaze orange, or the fluorescent pink, if you so choose. Um, Can't stress it enough. It's amazing how many people we do run into during our gun deer season that are required to be wearing that color clothing and just aren't, um, it's simple, uh, you know, get yourself a, a cheap blaze orange shell from fleet farm or wherever, and it can go over all the other clothes you're wearing. Um, but really be safe, be seen. So wear that orange, wear that pink, whatever it might be, The uh, best, best way to stay safe out there.
0: Yeah. Speaking of snacks, I remember sitting with my grandpa when I was little, uh, try to go for some quiet snacks he chose to get a bag of Funyuns and then he got mad at me when I was munching on Funyuns when the deer started coming out. So, uh, gummy snacks are always good and, and not the crunchy snacks. So right. just a little pro tip. Um, speaking of blaze orange, the, the, the pop-up tents, the kind of the fiberglass. Uh, blinds are becoming more and more popular what is a requirement? Is there a requirement to have some sort of blazed orange on those for visibility or are those just kind of okay in a field with, with nothing on them?
1: So it's, it's dependent on what type of land you're on. If you're on our our, our public lands, um, you do need to have, um, it's 144 square inches of a, a blaze orange visible on that ground blind. Most of them now, when you buy them, come with it. Um, it's just a, basically a cap that fits over the top of the blind. Other than that, you can, you can buy them at just about any local reputable sporting goods store. They usually sell them in the area with the ground blinds. So it's just a blaze orange cap that goes over the top and, Provides you know a 360 degree visibility uh, with that with that blaze orange. When it comes to private property, uh, you do not need to have that on there. You're not required to. Um, so that plain camouflage blind is you know legal sufficient. Um, we always recommend you know that be safe, be seen. Um, your private property is your private property, but you never know when somebody might get turned around, might get lost, you know trespassing issues, things like that, and. You know, to really prevent that accident, you know, put that high visibility blaze orange on that blind on the on the shelter, whatever it is, um, but on private lands it is not it is not required.
0: It's know. I'm gonna let my dad know that because <laughs> <laughs> he's, he's a stubborn hunter when it comes to that. Uh, this is his first year in a, in a ground blind so sure. he's he's learning all the tips and tricks. And, and like
1: I said, even, even though it's not required by law on private property, it, it's always a, a safe recommendation to do it. Um, that would be my recommendation, uh, but it is up to that individual hunter at that point.
0: All right. Well, I'm just going to take that little snippet and I'm going to send it right on over to him so we can hear it, hear it from the, hear it straight from the source. Um, what other, um, what other, what's a, Do you want to kind of dive into more of like the public land etiquette, I guess, for those of um, those hunters that are kind of new to public land hunting, Absolutely. what are some kind of like big things that they should be aware of heading into the woods. So
1: a lot of our public properties are are shared properties, they are multi use properties, at at any given time, they're going to be open to a lot of different activities. Um, So you may be hunting a public parcel of land that is open to horseback riding or is open to hiking. And you may encounter other individuals who are out trying to enjoy you know, the outdoors that aren't there to deer hunt. Uh, you might have a hiker, you might have a horseback rider. Um, you are going to need to share that property with them because they have just as much right to be there as you. Now, I, I don't think we see too many hikers uh, on opening morning of gun deer season, but it is, it is a possibility. And You know, on that note, we want to remind hunters to to be aware that, you know, there is the possibility to to have those encounters with those individuals um, who are not out there hunting, who are out there just trying to enjoy that public property, which they have a right to do. Um, And on the other end of the spectrum, we want to make sure that if you are out there, you know, for a hike, horseback ride, whatever it is, that uh, you are aware there are hunters in the area. Um, our non-hunters are still encouraged to wear high visibility clothing, whether that's hunter orange, a, a traffic safety vest, something like that, something that just makes them stand out so they don't blend into the woods. Um, so it's always a good option to, you know, for our, for our non-hunters who are just out enjoying the day to, to have an orange hat or like I said, a, a fluorescent vest or something like that, um, just so they do stand out. Again, that, that be safe, be seen uh, mindset or mentality.
0: Is there an app or something out there where hunters can see land property borders to to make sure that they're on public land and not trespassing into private property?
1: Absolutely, so very common. um, We encounter a lot of hunters that use the Onyx app. Um, It's a a GPS-based system that identifies property lines, property owners, and things like that. Um, Also your your county GIS mapping software, each county has its own uh, GIS maps that they maintain for the county. Um, Those are often very good records or very good resources as well. Um, Keep in mind that, you know, when you're in the woods, sometimes, Cell phone signals are not as strong as they are when you're in a you know more um, you know not or more urban setting. Um, so GPS pins and coordinates and things like that might not be exact. Um, so really do your homework ahead of time to make sure that you know where you're going to be and you're allowed to be where you're going to be. Um, it's never fun to walk in in the morning and look around and say boy I don't know if I should be here or not. So take that little extra time ahead of the hunt um, to really plan it out and make sure you know where you're going. Make sure you're legally allowed to be there. Like I said um, that Onyx app is a a great resource for hunters for outdoorsmen in general. You don't even have to be a hunter to use it but it can identify public properties versus private properties. Um, The county GIS websites are great. Um, Oftentimes they'll break it down by property owner. public lands, you know, state lands, county lands, federal lands, et cetera, wherever you, wherever you might be in the state. So those are all really good resources to use um, to help you find out where to go. Um, In addition, uh, the DNR does maintain a uh, a public lands um, database, reviewer database on the DNR's website. Um, I'd be more than happy to send you a a link to that after we're done today. Um, Not too great with technology. So I don't want to do it right now because I fear that we're going to lose all our video connection here. But um, I would be more than happy to send that to you. Um, if you do want to post that on on, on your platform. Um, again, another really great resource. But again, keep in mind, that's not always 100% accurate. So just, you know, really take that extra time to, to plan ahead. So you know where you're going to be and you know, you're allowed to be
0: where you are. So, yeah, that sounds great. We'll we'll try to put that in our show notes um, so you guys can access the links to everything as well. Uh, just going back to the public versus private land. Say you um, shoot a deer on public ground and you have to track it onto private land. What is the etiquette um, to finding out, you know, who the owner is once you are going on that land without trespassing?
1: Sure. So great question. Um, We, as wardens, we encounter it quite a bit uh, throughout the hunting season. Um, So you do need permission to enter somebody's private property to retrieve your downed animal. Um, If you trail your animal to the private property boundary, and you can see that it clearly went onto that property, you do need to have permission before you go any further. Um, These apps that I just discussed, this Onyx app, the county GIS systems, those are all ways to help you identify landowners. Um, unfortunately, as wardens, we, uh, we cannot make phone calls uh, on your behalf to try and convince a property owner to allow you on that land. Um, it is that property owner's right if they choose to allow you on or not to retrieve your animal. Um, they can decline, um, and if they do decline, you have satisfied the requirement of the law, which is to make a reasonable effort to retrieve a downed animal. If they say no, you cannot go any further um, as far as obtaining phone numbers and things like that to get a hold of landowners. Um, it's a little tricky. Um, I, I have called landowners asking if I can have if I can give out a phone number to somebody who is looking to retrieve a deer. I, in no way am I trying to influence them to allow them on or not. Um, I've had landowners say, "Yep, have them call me." I've had landowners say, "No, please don't," um, and I I have to respect that. Um, but really, the big takeaway from this is you do need permission to go onto somebody else's private property. If they decline and say, no, you cannot, you're done. You may not trespass to to retrieve that animal. As frustrating and as hard as it can be, um, you have to respect that property owner's wishes.
0: So after you harvest an animal, um, you guys kind of did away with the back tags and it's kind of all electric now. Do you kind of want to walk people through the process of what steps to take after they find their animal.
1: Sure. Um, so you are required to, well, let's, let's take a step back. Like you said, there, there is no longer any tagging requirements for, for white tail deer. Um, the, the actual tag itself has gone away. the deer tag now simply exists in a, uh, in a digital realm. Um, that's, that's all it is. It's not even a piece of paper anymore. Um, you are required once you retrieve your animal, um, to register that animal. Um, and you have till 5 p.m., The day following recovery. Um, So you do have some time to get that animal registered. Um, You can register it online. Um, You can make a phone call to register it. Um, Again, I'll I'll send the links to some of those um, so that you can post them um, on your podcast. Um, There are no longer any of the the registration stations um, per se, like there used to be. You used to see the, the red, you know, big game registration signs at the local local gas station or whatever it might be. There still are a few locations that serve as registration stations, meaning they will provide you with a computer or provide you with a phone line to make that call or um, log on to register your animal. Um, It it is very easy. Um, One thing that I will uh, hit on is that at about 4 p.m. on Saturday, Uh, that line is gonna get very, very busy. Um, So expect to have some weight. Um, You might even get disconnected. Don't give up, don't get frustrated. Um, You have have time to get that animal registered. If you can't get it done right away, remember you have till 5 p.m. the day following recovery of that animal to, of the deer to have to get it registered. So, you know, I get it, it can be frustrating. Everyone's trying to get it done because they don't want to forget about it, whatever it might be. so if you get disconnected, just wait a little bit, make a call back, so.
0: So there are some testing options um, that you can take as well after you harvest a deer. Um, CWD is kind of, I don't wanna say taking over the state, but it is in a lot of counties in the state. So if you want to get your deer, deer tested, um, where can people go um, to send, what, what steps do people need to take, I guess?
1: So we do have um, like self service CWD chronic wasting disease testing locations scattered throughout the state, um, where I am in Washington County, I, I have one at Pike Lake State Park, there's one right in the main parking lot. Um, they have a little key, the wildlife staff have a kiosk there with a clear set of instructions how to submit your sample, um, and the information that they need. Um, And like I said, we have these scattered throughout the state. Um, I will send you the link, um, because I did reach out to our biologist ahead of time to make sure that I could get you the appropriate information for that, because it is a very common question that comes up. Um, And we want people to A, have their ear tested if they feel that's what they would like to do, and and B, um, know how to do it and where to do it. So I will send you all that information. um, And then I'm also going to send you the statewide contact um, that we have within our agency. Um, for CWD related questions. Um, you can reach out to her by, uh, by email, by phone, um, whatever that might be. And if you've got specific questions about it, she's gonna be your person to get them answered. That's the realm that she works in, that's her specialty.
0: Great. So, if you are not lucky and you don't see anything like me, because I'm eating Funyuns all day, um, what is the appropriate time to start heading out of um, the woods? Start heading out of your stand. Uh, what are kind of the legal shooting hours?
1: So, the the legal shooting hours um, will be available. They're posted, um, and the back two pages of our registration book, um, both for the north and south zone of the state. Um, just make sure you're following the, uh, the deer hunting table because there's separate tables um, for waterfall, small game, make sure you are abiding by, by the deer season one. Um, and then you'll also see that the state of Wisconsin and the regulations has different zones where you have to add on time for your start of the day and then add on to the end of the day. So make sure that you're adding on the appropriate amount of time. Um, really the law reads now that as long as you do not shoot outside of those established shooting hours, um, you can stay in the woods if you wanted to. Um, Again, um, touching on the safety aspect of it, you know, we want people to be seen. If you want to sit till closing, perfect, great. I've done it many times. Um, But I also don't like walking out in the pitch black um, with a small flashlight and you know, it, it's good to be seen and it's good to have that visibility. Um if if you're comfortable walking out in the pitch black, perfect, you know. Uh make sure you have your flashlight, whatever that might be. Um, but there really is no set time that somebody has to be out of the woods um as long as they abide by those legal shooting hours.
0: Perfect. I think that kind of covers everything. Is there any last-minute um... Bits of information that you think yeah, people just, should know.
1: If I can just touch on a few other things. Um, yeah. You know, we we started with the tab K, the firearm safety. Um, one thing um, that I would like to touch on is, uh, you know, that 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 preseason planning or that preseason preparation um yeah i know we're getting down to the wire right now but uh hopefully folks have taken the time to go through their equipment go through their gear you know make sure their firearm is in good proper working order um you know was it clean last time it was put away you know is is it sighted in things like that um you know inspect your blaze orange is it faded is it torn whatever that might be does something need to get replaced you know now is the time to find that out versus at seven o'clock in the morning on Saturday when you're sitting in the stand and realize that something's wrong. Um, You know, when it comes to tree stand safety, a lot of our hunters you know, hunt out of tree stands. Uh, You know, the state recommends a a five point harness. Um, I believe it's called a fall arrest system. Keep that tether short. That tether is designed to keep you in your seat, not necessarily to keep you from falling. It's meant to keep you in place. Uh, when it specifically comes to that to that tree stand, when you're climbing or uh, descending or ascending or descending, um, three points of contact at all times um, to make make sure you have that balance. If you're raising and lowering a, uh, a firearm or a bow, do so with a tether. Don't just sling the rifle over your shoulder and up the tree stand you go, um, you know, take that little extra time to put it on a tether and raise it up, just make it safe. As always, make sure that gun is unloaded when you're doing that, um, can't stress that enough, make sure the gun is unloaded before you raise it and lower it, same thing with the bowl, make sure you don't have an arrow knocked or a, a bolt in the crossbow. Um, inspect your tree stands periodically throughout the season, make sure that the straps didn't come loose, the bolts didn't come loose, things like that. Um, All these little things, if you just take the extra couple minutes, can make for such a a more enjoyable experience, that safe, you know, successful hunt, if you will. Um, A lot of our hunters use um, recreational vehicles, so the ATVs, UTVs, um, some I've even encountered hunters that use boats um, during our gun deer season. Um, Just please be aware that, uh, you know, you're carrying a lot of extra weight. You've got your bulky clothes, you've got your rifle, all the other equipment that you take with you these vehicles might act differently with that extra added weight. The boat or the canoe might be different because you've got more weight in it. So make sure you take the time to you know, to really figure that out and find out how those you know, how those machines or how those, how those boats operate with that extra weight. As always, the, uh, the safety equipment, you know, helmets for our ATVs, um, seat belts in the UTVs, um, PFDs or life jackets in our boats, Simple things like that, that keep us safe. Um, Reminder that if, uh, you know, guns should need to be unloaded when the motors are, uh, when the motors are running, you can't have loaded firearms in the boats and the ATVs or in the UTVs. Um, Last thing I'll touch on. Hunt safe hunt sober um, again this is a time of year when families get together from all over and they want to celebrate and have a good time. We want you to have a good time we want you to be able to celebrate with your family and friends but make sure you separate the two if you uh if you want to toast a successful hunt perfect but please do it back at the cabin you know back at the house away from the guns and the woods, you know, really, we can't stress enough to keep those two separate. Hunt safe, hunt sober um, is really the big message there. Um, You know, handling or operating a firearm under under the influence of alcohol, drugs, or something that can have just tragic consequences. So such an easy way to prevent it, just don't mix the two together.
0: Yeah, I think those are all great reminders, especially for even the experienced hunter. Those are all Great reminders, um, just to keep in the back of your mind. And like you said, have a safe and happy hunting. Because it's yes. it's it's gonna be cold, so stay warm out there too.
1: It is. Um, yep. You know, like I said, take the time to prepare now, so that when you get out there in the morning, it's not a shock to you. Um, <laughs> again, um, from myself as a warden, enjoy the time with your family and your friends. Um, I wish everybody a, uh, a safe a happy and successful hunt. Uh, And that's, that's all I can say. Uh, Enjoy it. Enjoy this time.
0: Perfect. Well, thank you, Steve, again, for coming on here and and giving all these reminders and tips. Um, We really appreciate it and hope, I know I took something away from this today and I hope you guys did as well. So thank you again and uh, hope you have a successful weekend and week
1: as well. Thank you. Appreciate it.
0: Thank you guys for listening and we'll see you next week.